And a silly analogy I use, it's like you're driving in your car and there's a dip in the road, a bump. And where does the government place the bump sign to remind you? Are they reminding you that that was a bump? So if they put the sign after you hit the bump and they're just putting it up there like a joke, oh, that was a bump you just hit. And you're like, you didn't have to tell me that. Well, that's the same as the coach who says, Luke, you can't get beat. You're like, I know I got beat. I didn't really want to get beat. You don't have to keep telling me every time I get beat. Right? So, so they don't need to have it every time. That remark. If I put the sign too far in advance, or Luke, there's a bump coming up. Well, now it's like, well, where's this bump? Where's, and then it's like, well, there's no bump. Where? And then also, bang, I hit it. It's like, it's like the little boy cried wolf. Well, if you, if, tell me when it, it's it's going to actually help me. Don't be telling me something that just puts my mind on something I didn't need it on. Right? So it's it's to put it at the right time where it, it can actually impact your performance. Welcome to the Coaches Club Podcast, powered by Transform Sport, where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training. I'm your host, Luke Gromer, and every week we're bringing you conversations with coaches and leaders in sport that will help you grow as an effective teacher and transformational leader so that you and your team can reach your potential. Coaches, welcome back to part two of my conversation with Coach Mike McKay. Coach McKay is the performance manager for Canada Basketball's Women's High Performance. Prior to that, he was the manager for coach education and development for Canada Basketball. In that role, he led development, coordination, and implementation of the Canada Basketball long-term athlete development model. Coach McKay has over 20 years of experience coaching at the high school level in Canada and has had experience coaching teams from the youth level all the way through national teams. In our conversation today, we talk about the three rules of TLC, coaching on the fly, and PVAD. This episode is chocked full of practical tools that you can use in your coaching right away. If you enjoy the episode and want a copy of the podcast notes, go to coachesclubpod.com or click the link in the show details. Just drop your email on the form and you can get instant access to these notes or notes from any episode. And as a bonus, I'll email you a link to my entire library of coaching notes, which contains detailed notes on books like The Culture Code and The Coach's Guide to Teaching. And I also wanted to give you an exciting update about the podcast. On January 1st, the Coaches Club podcast is becoming the cutting-edge coaching podcast. I'm changing the name of my business to be more aligned with what I'm trying to do, and I think the name change better aligns with that. I want to help you guys stay on the cutting edge in your coaching by talking about the topics beyond the X's and O's that are so crucial to our success, but often neglected. You don't need to do anything for the update to the podcast. If you're currently subscribed to the podcast, on January 1st, you'll see our updated name and cover art wherever you listen and you'll still be able to listen to all of our previous episodes. And finally, if you're interested in learning more about what we offer coaches, the book clubs, cohorts, trainings, or the community, just check out the show details for links to all of those, or just send me an email. Now to part two of my conversation with Coach Mike McKay. Enjoy the episode. Continuing on the thread of feedback a little bit, Sefu Bernard in, in episode 10 shared your rule of 30 and TLC strategies for giving feedback. Would you just really quickly 
explain what those are, but then maybe more importantly, tell me about the, the philosophy behind those frameworks. Well, the rules of came from work with Bryce Tully, who's our high performance mental performance coach. And these, these come from research. It's just taking the top science and what it tells us about how people learn. And there's three rules of the rule of three, rule of 10 and rule of 30. Well, the rule of three is your brain can only handle about three points of emphasis at a time. I now call it, you got to, you know, you can only be chased one rabbit at a time. Catch that first rabbit. Stop chasing too many rabbits. You'll never catch any. So know which rabbit or point of emphasis you're, you're focusing on. It doesn't have to be three, but don't make it more than three. The rule of 10 is after about 10 minutes, you probably got to either change the activity, change the drill, change the location, do something. You're going to go into kind of auto, autopilot and they're going to self-organize and they're, and they're not really focused on as much as they need to anymore. So we're going to stay with this. Do we get it right? Well, you may get it right, but you know what? They probably didn't learn, learn it anymore. And then the rule of 30 is the hardest one. You've got about 30 seconds to get the activity going. So what I try to teach with young coaches, beginning coaches is what's the name of the drill? What's its purpose? And then what's the principles of play? And the principles of play are real simple. Here's where you're going to start. Here's how the ball is going to move. Here's how the players are going to move. And here's the timing and sequencing. And then the, and, and talk your demonstration as you do it, right? The worst thing coaches do is I start to describe a picture in my brain that no one else is seeing. So I start to say, okay, you need a player over there and you need a player up here and there's a defender there. And then you're going to pass and cut up there and then you screen. And then when you come off the screen, you got to read the D, make the kick and score. Ready? Away we go. Well, I'm the only person who saw that picture. So, so put the actual offense and defense in there in the starting position. Here's how the players are going to move. Here's how the ball will move. And here's the timing of when you move or whatever. And then what's your safety concerns? Boom, get them going. Now, after they go for a bit, now I can come in and load in my next, a new point. Okay, you seem to understand how the drill's working. Now let's make sure we're going to focus on this timing thing of the cut. I really need you to win on eye contact. That's the key point we're going to focus on now. Go. So that's how the rule of 3, 10, and 30 work. And it's made a huge difference. Our yeah. players, just, they, they, it, I'll tell you, it, it's when we do a drill now, they know what we're doing, how long we do, and the transfer and retention coming out the back end is just huge. I mean, we yeah. used to be crazy, you know, two a days. Uh, three-hour practices and, and just ram all this stuff in and say, well, we got to fill up the day. Not anymore. Give them rest. Give them time. And the quality is so much better. TLC, that came from uh, Allison and Mike McNeil when they were our national team coaches. But it was really to help the head coach communicate with the assistant coach what's the main points of emphasis and how we want to structure a drill. So a teaching drill means you can stop it at any time for error detection correction or feedback, but only on the point of emphasis or the points of emphasis. 
So if we're working on this pass, cut, fill drill, and the timing of the cut is the thing we want to work on, on eye contact, and if they're filling too soon, which most players do, they don't wait to keep the double gap, stop them. Well, what's our point of emphasis? Don't worry about the pace. Just stop it. Fix it. A learning drill means don't stop the drill. Coach on the fly. If there's a big problem, sub that player out, put another player in, and the drill keeps going. Because sometimes the assistant coaches don't understand that. Look, I'm trying to do this drill now to get some up and down because maybe I'm focusing a little, I'm hiding a little uh, physical, physical in there, right? I'm trying to get a work to rest ratio to work on their fitness. But if you keep stopping it to correct things, I'm losing that pace. And we are, we need to learn to play through mistakes. We can't be stopping them in the game. So they now have to start to play through mistakes. But again, knowing what the point of emphasis are. So now you get your coaches practicing coaching on the fly or dead ball coaching. And then a, a compete drill is like, it's like the game. We're going to probably have a score clock and they're going to have a, you know, or a score. We're going to have a shot clock. We're probably going to referee it. And if you want to stop it, you got to call an actual timeout. They got to come over. We're simulating more like the game. And again, it really just helps coaches and players understand uh, what's the expectation in the drill. So again, teaching drills are usually early, middle is learning, and a competing drill. The other thing is it, it really helps me as a coach educator say to a coach, you know that every single one of your drills today was a teaching drill. You never let them play through mistakes. You never did any coaching on the fly. You know when you get to the game, you can't do that. So when do you start to get them? Because some coaches, that's how they coach. They do, they, they, everything's a teaching drill. And then they want to do that in the game too. And that's the ones that are right out on the side and they're yelling all the time. And they're trying to control everything. Now, in, in high school basketball in the States and you with no shot clock and you can call timeouts from the side, a lot of coaches get away with it. NCAA basketball. I mean, you got to stop it every four minutes and you got all those TV timeouts. You can actually coach that way with teaching all the time. But in the FIBA game with 14 second shot clock, you better learn how to coach on the fly and because you can't stop and control all these dead balls because they just don't happen. So it's a great way to help a coach also understand how to progress as a coach. Yeah. Will you define teaching or coaching on the fly and maybe give an example of it? Well, coaching on the fly is, first of all, let's say you're running down the floor, Luke, and I signal to you, hey, we're running two down. That's coaching on the fly. That's an intervention. I'm distributing information to you. Okay. And that's okay. You can do that. But it's knowing when you can handle that. Other types of interventions is, you just got beat on defense and you're running down the floor and I'm trying to say, Luke, you got to get in a stance. You got to be shading left or, okay. Now, first of all, do you even hear me? And, and, or is I'm, am I just a distraction and a silly analogy I use, it's like you're driving in your car and there's a dip in the road, a bump. And where does the government place the bump sign? to remind you, are they reminding you that that was a bump? So if they put the sign after you hit the bump and they're just putting it up there like a joke, oh, that was a bump you just hit. 
And you're like, you didn't have to tell me that. Well, that's the same as the coach who says, Luke, you can't get beat. You're like, I know I got beat. I didn't really want to get beat. You don't have to keep telling me every time I get beat. Right. So, so they don't need to have it every time. That remark. If I put the sign too far in advance, or Luke, there's a bump coming up. Well, now it's like, well, where's this bump? Where's, and then it's like, well, there's no bump. Where? And then all of a sudden, bang, I hit it. It's like, it's like the little boy cried wolf. Well, if you if, tell me when it, it's, it's going to actually help me. Don't be telling me something that just puts my mind on something I didn't need it on. Right. So it's, it's to put it at the right time where it, it can actually impact your performance. And that's the key for coaches to find out what things can you coach on the fly and when. Now, what we try to talk, coach, talk about is less coaching in live ball, but learn to be a good dead ball coach. And a dead ball, there's the long stoppages and there's the short stoppages. A short stoppage is like a violation or a turnover. And I've got like one word. I got Luke. Take away the left. Boom. I can say, and it's just a reminder to you, right? A long stoppage is I can actually use a call over. That's like a foul shot or, or technical. They said to do something, checking on something. I can actually call a player over. I can do a call over. And that's when I can give a little more information, right? Or have a bigger intervention. So it's helping coaches understand how are you going to do your interventions? And are they a distraction or are they helping? And to me, it's, you know, and this is from Seth and Mana Watson with the point guard college, but it's the commitment statement. But are we going to remind our players before the activity, encourage them during, or have praise and affirmations, I call it, or break down conversation after? That's usually what your interventions are. But it's knowing which ones are effective and when they're effective. But if everything you're doing is, is the encouraging or trying to be like, I, I say that you're the play by play announcer during like it's just a distraction they're not hearing it <clears throat> even though you think they are yeah absolutely they learn to tune you out and like you said no <laughs> kid needs to be told you just got beat or you have to make that shot like they yeah, know that miss. they missed it they know they, do, they weren't trying to miss it we really don't need to tell them that yeah those are those sarcastic things we say to them i would just love for a player sometime to go to a coach and actually tell them like why are you missing why you keep fouling well, because coach, you told us, you never taught us how to play good defense. That's why I foul. I have no idea how not to foul. And that's because you never once have spent any time on that in practice. We do this crazy drill. We do zigzag slides. And yet when the game, they don't do the zigzag. They actually take three dribbles, not two. That's why I foul. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, wow. Yeah, we could we could go on and talk a lot more about transfer and retention oh, yes but what you just said there's so so key yeah are, is what you're doing in practice actually happening in the game and if it's not then we probably need to do some serious reevaluation and it, and it but it's so much well that's what my coach did and that's what john wooden did and that's what all these great coaches did but the game has changed and we've learned but for some reason in coaching especially in basketball coaching it's like that's how I was taught. That's how we're going to do it. And, and it's like, you know, be willing to change. And I'm not saying everything that's changed is good and new, but you got to be at least trying to grow as the game grows. Yeah, absolutely. 
I've got one more question for you and then a few rapid fire questions. Okay. If you could decide these are the top three things that every coach, every sport, every level, they need to be educated on these things, what would they be? Well, they work in context, but I'm going to stick more to a team sport, but I do think it applies to most sports. But the first one is PVED, which is your positioning improves your vision, which improves your ability or to anticipate to make a decision. So positioning improves vision, which improves anticipation, improves decision. And so the key thing to me is you have to help athletes understand their positioning. Now that's their positioning on the floor in relation to landmarks or to people, or it's their, their positioning of their body so that they can see and move. So we have to, so this idea, you know, like uh, we never, you know, just let players play and figure it out. No, get them to understand spacing and positioning. They, they need to know that, but know why. And then they need to know where they need to be looking for the cues. And then they have to be given options. It's not like you always just do this. You need to give players options or else there's no decision. And so you don't restrict players by saying you never dribble, you never do it. You, when you get a rebound, you just pass to the guard. Look, if you give them absolutes like that, eventually they're going to struggle and your team will struggle. So you need to give options. Now, the vision one, you have to be careful because I think we sometimes give bad cues. Like I remember when I was growing up, in fairness, this is what my coach was probably taught. And he says, watch the player's belly button. Well, it was a good general thing to do and I was really good at watching belly buttons but probably I could have stolen the ball a few times or got a hand in the passing lane a few times if I had been not so just focused on watching his belly button but through playing a lot of pickup ball I started to figure out like I'm not really watching the belly button I'm kind of watching a whole lot of things here right and there's sometimes I want to watch the ball or sometimes I want to watch the anticipating the pick coming to get me, right? So so we got to be careful that we give them these, this is what you always watch. And, and then this is the only decision. I think uh, Doug Lemoff again calls, he calls it that wicked environment, which is where, you know, you do the right thing, but get the wrong outcome. Or we do the wrong thing and get the right outcome. We just have to be in that environment enough to finally figure it out. So we got to let players wobble in that sometimes. So that'd be my first one is PIVA. The second one is connections. You've got to learn how to connect and you connect with your eyes. You connect with your voice. You connect with your ears on the other end of voice and you connect with signals, but you also have to connect with our purpose and our vision and our, our ideals of what we're, we're remember I talked about what we're aspiring to. Like if you don't connect to that, it doesn't matter. You're, you're not. So really focusing on how we connect in every practice, every drill, Someone in that is going to be paying attention to the connections. And then the final one is KYP, which is know your players, know your plays, know your purpose, all kinds of P's in there. But get to know the people, again, because we coach people who play basketball, not basketball, and really know your people. And then know how they can contribute to the plays or the purpose or whatever. How are they through their identity and their strengths and how are the, how can we reduce their limiting factors to, to really help our purpose and our place? 
instead of they're all just a, a dot that I maneuver around. So those would be my three. That's really good. Great list. Here are my rapid fire questions for you. I would love to just know first thing that comes to your mind. The most fun part of coaching is the smiles, the sweat, and they want to come back the next day. Like when at the end of the day, when they're just like, is it over already? Oh, mm. it's almost fun. Or, or when that, that kid gets it in the game and no one else knows it. The parents don't know. The referee doesn't know the other team. And even some teams don't, but they got it. And then there's just that look between them and you're like, you got it. And now it's just like that keeps them going for a long time. Yeah. Love those moments. I know I'm successful as a coach when. When they come back, they show up the next time, right? No one quits your team, right? They come back and they give back. So one of the things I'm proudest most about is the former players that I've had that are now coaches, administrators, uh, university professors in sport, or, you know, and they've learned those life lessons and they're passing them on to their kids or passing them on to other kids that they've coached. Uh, that's, that to me is the most important thing because again, I mean, even though I work in high performance, that's not the, what this is about. This is about building better people, better society. And I think sport done right could do that done wrong. It can do, do a lot of harm, but done right. Right. It, it, it's, but that's but we need good people in there that with that intention. Absolutely. Here's my last one. I wish I would have known blank before my first coaching experience. Oh, PVAD. PVAD would have solved a lot of problems for me. I think I kind of knew it, but back in the day, that's the phrase, because when we played with no shot clock, um, I could coach like football, where I could call a play, but didn't like, oh, back out here. Okay, let's set it up, set it up. Okay, run two. Uh, no, 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 set it up, set it up, set it up. Let's run two, one, let's run one. You play the shot clock, you can't do that. So you had to teach players how to make decisions. And it's so much better. It is such a better game. And, um, you know, but you had to learn how to allow players to make decisions. Like I would say in, in a non-shot clock game, the only time a, a player, you can't control the situation is the end of a clock, is the end of a quarter. Is really the only time when somebody's going to have to make a decision. You can't exactly control that. Uh, but in a 14-second reset shot clock game, man, you've better done your work in practice and you better have your players understand shot quality and making good decisions and working to together and what those are. So it's, uh, it's a lot different. Yeah, it becomes about teaching them how to identify and exploit advantages instead of run plays. Oh, yes. It's all now that doesn't mean you can't run plays. Sure. But you can't, you can't structure it. So I call it, it's structured creativity with limitations. So we need to have some structure. Remember our starting position. We all have to know how we plan to attack this with some structure, but now it's that creativity of based on what we see and read and our strengths and weaknesses. That's the KYP will make a decision and there are some limitations. Seth Curry is going to get to take a lot more deep threes than Draymond Green. I just, because he's earned it, but doesn't, but we're not 
totally limiting you, but we'll probably put some limitations and some things here to help grow your confidence, not to limit you, but to grow you to fit who you are. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good. Well, Coach McKay, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today and loved all you had to share. Well, as you can tell, I have too many stories. So that's just, that's from sitting around, sitting around a COVID, just doing a lot of thinking about stuff, but uh, really enjoy it. Luke. I love listening to your podcast. I, I love the interviews and uh, you, you've got, you're at the age where you've got, you can grow and try a lot of these things too. And you're going to pick up just by talking to all these people, so many good ideas. And thank you for sharing. See, I'm giving you an appreciative feedback right now. Thanks. I appreciate that. Normally I give coaching feedback. (laughs) So I'm trying to work on my appreciative feedback. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, coach. This is awesome. Thank you. Coaches, thanks for listening to this episode. And thanks again to Coach McKay for coming on to the podcast. As always, if you enjoyed the episode and you want to copy the podcast notes, go to coachesclubpod.com or just click the link in the show details. There were so many practical tools that Coach McKay shared in this episode. I hope you have at least one takeaway that you're going to apply in your coaching. If we all committed to implementing just the three rules of, I think we'd all become significantly better coaches. And if you lead a coaching staff or work on a coaching staff, just imagine the clarity that could be achieved by using that TLC, teaching, learning, competing framework in your practice planning and practice design. If you want to dive a little deeper into those concepts, you can check out episode 10 with Sefu Bernard, where he hit on some of those same topics and a lot more. Like I mentioned in the intro, if you want to learn more about how we serve coaches, just check out the links in the show details. Thanks for listening to the Coaches Club podcast powered by Transform Sport, where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training.